Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hello, everybody. We got a great show for you today and every day because we are awesome and we love you. First up, we're doing Hot Goss, Kaylee Cuoco edition. There is a reason we're going here. It is a controversial topic. Just bear with us. Then we all want a great relationship with their kids when they're adults, right? Well, Psychology Today is helping us get there. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, small child. Kicking shit. I guess this is my tits and my shits kind of rolled into one. You always have a combo platter. You always have multiple tits. First, let me say, Sebastian had his recital this weekend. It was great. Fun time. The costume was not good. He had to wear a glittery baseball cap that had a hole in the top for a ponytail. A silver lame t-shirt that was rainbow in the light. And black joggers with blue flames coming up from the ankles. It was like the gayest. Guy Fieri and I am okay saying gay because the gays know I love them. I am an ally and I think any self-respecting gay man would say that was a very gay costume. Except they probably wouldn't wear it because they have better taste. In no world would a gay man wear it. It was such a tragedy of costume. I had to pay $199. Honestly, if he was wearing it near any fire source, I would be very concerned. That's how flammable this thing was. They should have given you tequila to deal with it. You could have gone on Alibaba and bought this costume for $5. It was so bad. Before that happened, my father-in-law came to the recital and then went back home. In the morning, when John showed up, Sebastian was still upstairs. So everyone was downstairs except for me and Sebastian. I said to Sebastian, who's still in his jammies and playing his iPad, I was like, don't you want to go downstairs and see Pops? Go play with him. He's only here for a little while. He's not going to be here the whole time. And he hit me. And Sebastian's been hitting me a lot. It's been an issue. Obviously, there's some bigger thing at play that's just unknown to me and I'm trying my hardest to figure it out. My knee-jerk reaction when he hit me, because he hit me hard, was I kind of gave him a whack in the back of the head. Like, you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you. Not the best parenting. I am not giving this as advice for people. So I say, you're punished. Go to your room. I'm like, well, this is not the respectful parenting I've been trying to do. So I go into his room where he's crying and I say, why did you hit mommy? And he goes, no reason. I don't know. And I said, because you were angry. He goes, no reason. I was just angry. And I said, well, that's a reason. It's because you were angry. I said, look, can we put feelings of being upset with each other aside? Let's just talk because I just want to figure out what's happening here. I'm not upset with you. I'm worried because you keep hitting me. And it's been a lot. Boys should not hit women. Nobody should hit anybody, but you really should not be hitting your mommy. It's not a nice thing to do. And he's crying, crying, goes, I'm sorry, mama. And I said, look, the thing is, you just are reacting very quickly and you know that you acted out of anger. And I think we just need to identify that you were angry and that's the feeling you were feeling and we can go from there and he gave me a hug and he said I'm so sorry that was so bad of me do I think it's going to continue to be an issue yes probably (laughs) he hasn't hit me since but it's been two days so let's not get too excited but I just was honestly very proud of myself I don't like my knee-jerk reaction of just giving him a little knock on the back of the head and really that's what it was it wasn't 
anything major. And I'm proud of myself. It's a little victory. I'm going to take it. Good for you. But it's also my shit because my kid's hitting me. You guys are in a very weird relationship. What they say about mothers and sons, I think, is very true. I'm not in love with my son. I do hope he finds a beautiful, and by beautiful, I mean inside, loving partner someday who is just very open to me being very big part of his life and us all being in one large bed together. <laughs> okay, let's uh, look at that Psychology Today article a little bit later. Just to watch TV, that's it. I just want to be able to do my favorite activity with my favorite people, that's all. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll start with my shits. I've been having a stressful couple days because I've had a lot to do for school. I know you guys are already tired of hearing about school. Everybody is, but I've had a lot to do for school. I have two classes that are ending soon, so we have lots of final projects. Plus, I had to do these shadow hours before the school year ends for the summer, and I have a third class that's going on. So it's just been kind of a lot. Every time you talk about it, I'm like, ah, my brain goes, I cannot process this information. I don't even know what you just said. I just know it's a lot of shit. I'm honestly very proud of myself because I'm not the best time manager or executive function style stuff, and I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting A's in all the classes, and this is, I guess, the tit. I've been meeting some of my other classmates, which is kind of nice, actually seeing them in person. None of them have another job or children. They're just doing this for the summer, and they're like, it's really hard to get stuff done. And I'm like, ask a parent to get something done. A parent who has one hour without their kid can get more done than someone who's never had a kid for a whole week. <laughs> Let yep. me just tell you. She's at dance class for 45 minutes. I got a quarter of a paper written. Yep. I was looking in the mirror trying to give myself a little pep talk. I was like, it's okay, Carrie. One task at a time. You got this. And I went to take a big serenity now breath and I pulled out my back. <laughs> Nothing is a bigger sign of stress than that. My entire mid-back all around where my bra strap would be completely seized up. I called down to my mom. She had to put icy hot on my back. That's the worst. And even though it's been three days, I can move it a little bit, but there's a whole dead section in the middle that is just not functioning. This is when you need to have a back bag with all of your back equipment in it. I do. I've been using it, but I've also been so busy that I'm like, what back things can I do? So I got the TENS machine. I got CBD cream on it, but I'm so stressed. Has there ever been anything that makes you feel older than trying to take a relaxed relaxing deep breath and instead throwing out your mid back. No, nothing in the world. Actually, I said that to Valerie and she goes, having to change leg positions in sex immediately because your leg goes numb from sciatica. <laughs> like when the legs are up over the head and you're like, enjoy this for one second because already my sciatic is going. I will tell you a silent winner that not enough people talk about, Voltaren. I have Voltaren. You need to use it often. Right. You need to use it often and it takes a little while to go into effect. I've been doubling up. I've been icy hot and Voltaren because Voltaren is like aspirin for the skin. Yeah. Yes, Icy Hot is like a warm pack. So this is a thought starter for us to go off of. Actress Kaylee Cuoco, you know her from Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, Flight Attendant. She's been in a bunch of things. So she recently went on Smartless Podcast. The podcast we love to hate. I actually really like the podcast. Smartless is like, let me mansplain while being funny. I like it because I like the questions that they ask people in our industry, but I just don't really like the hosts other than Sean whatever. Tony Award winner. He deserves that. He's very 
very talented. So she started talking about life with her new boyfriend, Tom Pelfrey, and their baby, Matilda. Fun fact, Tom Pelfrey and I went to college together. That's fun. Go Rutgers, Mason Gross. So he's an actor as well? Yes, he's actually one of the kindest humans ever. He's a really good guy. So she said, and this is a quote, we got pregnant two months in. We're like, boom, 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 we're in sync. So two months in of them dating, saying that they were so in sync they got pregnant. I mean, what the heck does that mean? It just means you're having a lot of sex. That's why you got pregnant. What does in sync mean? I've seen a lot of mommy Instagram accounts and blogs that are kind of upset about it. I guess they're trying to be considerate of people who struggle conceiving. And I do see how a statement like that could be very hurtful towards people like that. Not being able to get pregnant does not mean that they're any less in love or in sync with their partner. If I was going to unpack that, and this is not what she meant, I'd be like, we were so in sync as a couple that we decided that it was okay to have a baby within two months. I don't think that's what she's saying, but I'm just saying that makes sense to me. That was like, we just knew right away. We were so in sync that we decided to make that choice. But as far as being in sync and that's how they got pregnant so quickly, no girl, the reason why you got pregnant so quickly is because you were having tons of sex all the time everywhere. Which, great. Congratulations. She's wealthy. So, of course, she got pregnant quickly. She's taking all the supplements, doing all the things. She eats well. She's relaxed. I don't think she was trying to get pregnant, though. She got pregnant quickly because she was fucking constantly. So, I have mixed feelings. I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody sitting there and saying what she said. I don't think by what she said, she was meaning to be hurtful to anybody. Oh, I don't think so either. I think she's not very smart, maybe. Or sensitive to other people's struggles. I don't know about intelligence. Also, let's not forget she was on a podcast that tends to skew pretty misogynistic. If you just look at the way they talk to women guests as opposed to the way they talk to male guests, even just the length of podcasts when it's a female guest versus a male guest. When Emily Blunt was on the entire time, they were asking her about John Krasinski. Rude. And when John Krasinski was on, they barely even mentioned Emily Blunt. And Emily Blunt is a more fabulous person than John Krasinski. Agreed. I don't think they realize how misogynistic they are, but there is a very misogynistic undertone to the podcast. Anybody who's listening who's a woman or identifies as a woman, I think it's very clear that when you're in a situation like that, surrounded by men, and you need to woman-splain a little bit more, I think it makes plenty of sense why she said things the way that she did. I would also just like to say, Kelly Cuoco is very wealthy, but she always looks like her hair's a little too long and she needs a bangs trim, and she hasn't gotten her roots done in a while. Yeah, that's her look. I don't mind that look. For me, she's a little overrated. First of all, I think she's a terrible actress. That's the first thing. But then I'm also like, girl, I don't want to see your eyelashes moving your bangs around. I hate that. I hate when the eyelashes get in there and then they go like this. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to watch on camera. There's a very interesting discussion that's been coming up between me and friends, and this will come back to the point, which is the discussion of being atheist. And that's a very big conversation that we've been having in our friend circle. Okay, right. I am not an atheist, and I am the one person in this group of friends that is not. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being an atheist. I respect all opinions. Doesn't matter to me. However, because I believe in God in a certain way, I believe in fate. I think things are meant to happen the way they're meant to happen because that makes me feel safe. If I wasn't able to conceive and I really wanted to, I don't know if I would believe that. I don't know if I would say, oh, God doesn't want me to have a kid. And I don't know that that's a fair thing to put out in the world. But I will say that because of that belief that I have in regards to myself, I probably say things that come off insensitive. But also, that's her story of how she made her kids. Shouldn't she have the right to feel that way? I mean, I tell the story about how I conceived
leave Luna under three different kinds of full moons. Yeah. Shouldn't we have the right to tell our story however we want and not necessarily have to be so concerned about how other people are going to take our stories of our lives? And I think that's really what bothers me about this headline is I get that she should be sensitive. Well, it's like you're on a podcast or an interview. You got to be a little careful. A little careful. But also, she has the right to feel about her story the way she does. I just don't particularly like her. Me neither. But it bothers me when I see the policing of how people tell their story. Right. Yeah. And it's not something that really hurts someone. She's not being racist. She's not being sexist. She's not saying like, oh, non-white people are the devil. She's literally just talking about how she feels her child came into her life. Can't we just chill out a little bit and let the girl feel how she feels? We're in a time where we're fighting for equality in so many different ways. This just does not seem like the hill to die on. We'd love to hear what you guys think about Kaylee Cuoco and Tom Pelfrey being in sync. So write us an email. Hello at momtrage.com. Let us know what you think. How to build a relationship with your child that continues on throughout their lives. This article is from Psychology Today, so I feel like it's about as legit as it can possibly get. I mean, seriously. Our children need to truly want to be part of our lives. Their relationship with us must feel pleasurable and valuable and be one in which they feel safe, seen, and cherished. So when our child is four and we're enforcing boundaries, we're probably not thinking about what our relationship will be like when they're 26, but childhood is when this happens. And this is when we lay the groundwork for the rest of our lives together. Is it too late for us? I don't think so. Look at it how we were raised. We still have very close relationships to our moms. And they weren't perfect. Like all relationships, showing respect for the other, listening when they speak, taking their opinions and feelings into account, being reliable and seeing the best in them and having fun together is key. For many parents, it's second nature to be warm, supportive, and playful with children. And in these ways, they're champs at creating a durable relationship. But there is an important important parenting job that can be less intuitive and that is discipline and limit setting. Two of my least favorite things. See, does that make you feel better, Carrie? Yes. Setting boundaries is a high risk moment that can potentially damage the valuable connection we are creating with our children. Yes, limit setting cannot be skipped over. We need to somehow set clear and firm limits with our children and hold those limits without damaging the child or our relationship with the child. In moments of discipline, it's useful to think about balancing the short game with the long game. So the short game is dealing with behavior in the moment, influencing the child to stop hitting or to do their homework. The long game is the maintenance of a healthy, positive parent-child relationship, gradually building self-control, self-worth, and positive behavior. Keeping the long game in mind, we can adjust our approach to behavior issues by providing discipline without severing the relationship. In doing so, we acknowledge that teaching a child to stop hitting might take the repetitions of a lesson that will only gradually take hold. Oh, Lord knows that's true. As we consistently enforce the rule and the child steadily builds maturity, self-control, and motivation to cooperate, we move towards our goal. And yes, this means we will sometimes, and by sometimes I mean most of the time, lose in the short game. Parents should set a limit every single time a rule is broken. Does my husband hear that? Every single time a rule is broken. It's so tedious. You want it to get even harder? You should never do so in a damaging way. So there's no scolding, no yelling. You are asking so much for me. All I do is yell and scold. I know, no hitting and no adult dysregulation. I'm always dysregulated. 
I know. <laughs> Harsh interventions may influence a child to comply in the moment, but they do so by inspiring fear, which leads to compliance if the child thinks they'll be caught. Momentary compliance is far, far different from learning and from building a child's internal motivation to behave. Reading this article kind of helped shape the path I've been on with Sebastian, which is I'm trying not to scream at him and do all these other things or whack him on the back of the head when he smacks me in the face like he did. Guys, being a good parent is so hard. It's so hard. But look, the fact that we care, the fact that we do this research, the fact that you're listening to this podcast automatically makes you a good parent because you're trying. We're gonna fuck up and that's okay. There is nothing harder than being a good parent. It's harder than getting your driver's license. Okay, discipline in its ideal form is teaching and motivating a child to make their life decisions based on their virtues, not on their impulses. Oh, that's a hard one. All children are capable and sometimes choose to follow rules that show restraint, kindness, and respect. However, in order for this to carry over to adulthood and become their predominant way of conducting themselves, they need to feel such self-discipline is a part of who they are. That goes back to your point when we were talking about respectful parenting and working with your child. To take ownership. Right, to take ownership of what the repercussion of not following a boundary or a rule would be. And what their ideal situation also looks like. Yes. Once a child takes ownership of that lesson, they will act from it naturally and feel driven to their best self. Fostering this positive identity is best accomplished not through domination, but through consistently seeing the best in the child, pointing out their successes to them and calmly, firmly, and repeatedly saying no to any rule breaking. Limit setting and consequences are never omitted. They are consistently and reliably applied with no drama. In this model, the limit setting is matter of fact and consequences are not harsh. That's key, guys. They're not harsh. They're just consequences. And limits are not driven by parents' intense emotions or set with the toxin of adult negativity. Parents often incorrectly believe that the more substantial and adverse the consequence, the more effective it will be. The problem with this strategy is that excessive focus on consequences can overtake parenting, placing undue attention and passion on punishment. This negativity can ultimately damage the parent-child relationship, alienate children, and lead children to feel negatively about themselves. If an altercation escalates, the key is to calm yourself as soon as you notice you are escalated. That is what I have been trying to do, and this is so hard. This is the hardest part of it all. Only once you are regulated can you return to interaction with the child and repair the breach. No holding a grudge and no skipping over reconnecting with the child. Apologize if necessary and resume warm, appreciative interaction. The more and more I read this, the more I'm proud of the way I handled things when he hit me. Minus the whack on the back of the head that I keep going back to because I feel so guilty about it. Winning the long game is about building connection when things are going right and carefully minding your choices when things are going wrong. By prioritizing the health of long-term relationship over the immediate gratification of getting what you want from the child, you are demonstrating you can be trusted not only to be kind, but to also handle problems and conflict in a way that feels safe. So this is for my husband, Matthew, and to anyone else that gives kids what they want in order to be the nice parent. Matt gets so frustrated that he's the one that consistently does bedtime, and I laid the groundwork a very long time ago, and I said, if you're not going to do bedtime the way I do, which is not waiting until he falls asleep, I will not participate. And Sebastian doesn't want me to because he wants the parent that's going to be with him until he falls asleep. Danny puts Joey to bed in 10 minutes flat. I don't do that. Honestly, I think the way that Matt does it is damaging. And also, it's not fair to parents. I'm trying to get Luna out of it, but I wish I had never started. And this is what I try to tell people all the time. Danny and James did a thing early on where they were like, nope, they 
don't care who's at their house. They don't care what the situation is. That kid goes to bed at a certain time. He has his method and that's it. When Matt has people here and I'm the one that puts Sebastian to bed, I put him to bed easy breezy. He's awake and I leave. That's it. So for Matt and anyone else who gives their kids what they want to be the nice parent, if you commit to always winning the short game, you're at high risk of sacrificing the long game. But if you commit to winning the long game, you can often win both. And I just found this article so incredibly important as to how it relates to the way my husband and I parent our child. I know why Matt does what he does with Sebastian. I get that it's not to win over me. It's because he loves his son and he wants to give him the attention and everything he needs. And what he doesn't realize and what he doesn't want to hear come out of my mouth is that it's actually very damaging. I feel personally attacked. (laughs) No, it's not about you at all. (laughs) It's always about me. It's always about me. You know, I think about it in relation to my mom. In case you're just tuning in and you haven't been listening. My mom, she is a tough nut to crack sometimes. And that being said, she's still my favorite person in the entire world. She always set rules and boundaries in my life. We fought. It's not like I handled it like this. She was emotional. And we have a great relationship. And I want that with my son. And I just want it in a way where it's not going to cause any kind of emotional distress to either of us also. I just feel like there's no getting out of parenting without at least some emotional distress. No, there isn't. The link to this article is in our show notes. And if this is a priority for you, I highly suggest reading the article. It's all the same things we just said, but maybe to break it down a little bit, share it with your partner, share it with the grandparents of your child so they're on the same path as you because that is important. You need support from all the people who help you with your child. I really feel so passionately about this article. Hashtag swag bag. We live in a house that is from 1870-something. There's no hope of putting central AC into our house. The best we could do is a split, and I think we will move towards that at some point, but we're not there yet. So unfortunately, we have to do the window AC. So every beginning of summer, Matt has to take all the ACs, put one in our room, Sebastian's room, dining room. When it starts to get cold, he has to take them out, move them. It's a whole process. That being said, in the summer, the past few summers we have in our bedroom slept very very uncomfortably because we hate how loud the window AC unit is we feel like we can't hear what's happening in the house if Sebastian needs something and so we've been on the hunt for a very quiet AC and Matt my aerosexual husband did a lot of research a couple of summers ago we had bought the July AC which is great it has a filter it's Wi-Fi you know I can control it from my phone and from Alexa and all those other things still not that quiet this summer there was a special deal at Costco and you know I'm always trying to save as much money as I can we ordered the Medea U-shaped air conditioner unit for your window I just want you to know this is the most quiet fucking AC I've ever heard in my life amazing it can get loud it has not been that hot if you're looking for a quiet AC still Wi-Fi you can control it from your phone you can set it up to Alexa all these other things I can't even hear it sometimes there was a special deal at Costco I believe it's over as of yesterday it's so good my hashtag swag bag is the CoverGirl Clean Fresh Yummy Lip Gloss. All the colors are good. Let me tell you about it first and then I'm going to read an ode to it. Somebody on TikTok said it was a great version of the Dior lip gloss, but for like $6. The one that changes color? No, just their regular gloss. Okay. It gives Juicy Tubes vibes. Oh. Fun flavors, fun packaging. It's vegan. It's inexpensive. All the colors are really great and I'd seen a lot of TikTokers use it and I love them and I've now switched four friends to them. I was doing this teacher training 
training for a summer theater program and we were doing just little exercises that you can do with kids and this was a writing exercise and the prompt was take out something from your bag it doesn't matter just some random object and I want you to free write about why this object represents you I picked that lip gloss this is what I wrote my lip gloss represents me because it's fun and cheap it smells good and it makes me smile I've always loved and been kind of a low-key obsessed with makeup since I was very young this lip gloss is also a bargain but looks fancy I feel like that's me in a nutshell I like this lip gloss because it reminds me of being 14 and working at CVS you worked at CVS when you were 14 yeah fun and cheap is my middle name that is me that is this lip gloss this lip gloss represents me you and Dolly it takes a lot of money to look this cheap that's right Luna wants to wear my lip gloss sometimes and I've been more cognizant of what's in lip glosses since my kid basically eats them off her mouth and this one's vegan not tested on animals feels good well there you have it guys another week another episode we love you so much and go read that psychology today article so that you can have a nice long-lasting relationship with your kids guys you're doing great bye bye Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.